Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you again for tuning in. I am Jason. And I am John. And we are here to talk some Maverick hockey. UNO facing North Dakota this past weekend in a COVID, well, at least the second game was a COVID sellout of 1,500 people. Yes, it was. It was actually, it was a pretty good audience. Now, I will say our section 216 actually had fewer people <laughs> than the first three games we've played in the second half at Baxter Arena. So I don't know what that tells you. I don't have any Can idea. you get any sense of the arena? Like, if it's, there was more or less? Or... It's really, really hard to get a feel for the arena, for sure. I think I, there were definitely more on Saturday night. In particular, the end sections in the upper deck had more people than they had had during the first three games. In particular, that first series against Denver last week. So there were definitely more people in the arena. There were some more students on Saturday night. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of interesting discussion online about the you know the the number of people who are sitting in close proximity because the way UNO did the tickets around the arena was it was every other row and then it was just a, a few seats so it was clumps of like two seats four seats occasionally you'd have um, a, a grouping of six seats but that was pretty uncommon throughout the arena but what's interesting is we've seen people you know you know, a, a, a group of eight people sitting in a row with another group of six people sitting right in front of them in the row ahead. So obviously those people, you know, got together and decided to sit together. Now, I don't know if it was an, a, a more official thing where they contacted UNO and got those seats together. If it's like, hey, you know, let's go sit together, you know, up in the top of Section 216 or not. But uh but a lot of that going on, a lot of, uh, as we talked about on the last podcast, a lot of non-mask compliance going on. It was kind of, It's kind of interesting because some people say, well, I've been in the concourse and it seems like everybody's wearing a mask. Well, this is this is the game. This is what they do. They they come to their seats. They, they may be holding a beer. They may be holding a bottle of water. They may or may not actually be drinking it. But, the you know, the mask immediately comes off, and so they sit there for the duration. And then when they get up to go downstairs, they put the mask on. See, we all know <laughs> how this works. They, they don't want the people, you know, right, of the staff members roaming the concourse to get mad at them. So they, they've got the whole thing worked out. Now, I don't have a problem if you're eating nachos or eating a thing of popcorn or even taking a drink of your beer not wearing the mask. But the rest of the time, you should be <laughs> wearing a mask. I mean, I... I I think that that would be a, a good idea. I'm not, you know, this isn't some big political statement for me at all. I just think, you know, to make people feel comfortable and to make people feel like they want to continue to go and, and you know, give UNO some money, it, it might be nice to see that happen. I think that's the key thing for us is just that, are you comfortable with the risk? And we look at the other things that we're doing in our lives and the things that we've chosen not to do, you know, what we're comfortable with where we're comfortable with risk and where we're not. And it was a really hard thing for us to get behind, you know, going to these games in the first place. And then to hear the stories and see pictures on social media of people, you know, wearing a mask that's like covering their throat. Like it's more of a scarf than, you know, than a mask. <laughs> it's like, like I saw, I saw one, uh, <laughs> I saw one video on social media where the guy in front of him was wearing a mask, but I mean, you can see his top lip move, lip move as he, so like his mask was covering his bottom lip and his chin. That was it. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you do breathe in and out your nose. It's yeah. it's a it's a really really interesting thing. The other thing that's interesting, and I, I can't remember if we talked about this on the last podcast or not, is the composition of the crowd. Now you would think if there's only 1,500 people there, that these would be like diehard UNO hockey aficionados, right? People with home game streaks, right? Yeah. People with 483 home uh, game attendance streaks, right? But it's right. not. I, I, I Honestly, a lot of the crowd, it 
and again, I don't know everybody who's in the arena. So, I mean, maybe these are all season ticket holders, but a lot of the crowd just feels like, and there have been some people I've seen who I know for a fact are not season ticket holders. A, a portion of the crowd, I'm not going to say a lot. I'll just say a portion of the crowd feels like people who, you know, they want to go out and do something and everything's closed right now. There isn't a lot of entertainment to do. So they're like, oh, UNO's playing hockey. So let's go check that out. That's kind of what I feel a significant portion of this crowd is. It is not, you know, like the, you know, the, the, the hardcore UNO hockey season ticket holders came in and snatched up all these tickets. It feels like, oh, you know, hey, there's something to do. We can go and we can drink beer and we can have a good time. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's kind of, it's just a sort of a weird vibe anyway. And that's not to say that they don't get into the game and cheer and everything else. And, and there are some, some good fans there, but it's, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a weird feeling because you would have thought if there were that few people that it would actually be season ticket holders. Yeah. I'd be very, a couple of things, very interested in seeing, you know, one is how much of the season ticket holder base are, you know, is that 1500, especially with North Dakota being in town. I mean, in any given year, North Dakota is going to swipe up any remaining tickets that they can. There's just plenty of those fans all over the place. Absolutely. And, and I will say this weekend, a significant portion of the fans in the building were wearing North Dakota gear. That is for sure. So so they accounted for a lot. And I, I don't know how many of those were local or in the area type fans since they have a big national following in, in the world of college hockey or how many people actually decided to drive down from North Dakota because North Dakota is charging, I think, I think I heard they're charging $69 for their single game tickets up at the Ralph and Grand Forks. Uh, they have a limited capacity too. So I wonder if a lot of them were like, yeah, we can get a ticket for like, you know, 18 bucks at Omaha. We'll come down. We'll get cheap lodging. So it's, it's cheaper to pay for gas and drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it, it does make you wonder. So I don't know. It's it was it was it's just kind of an interesting sort of an interesting vibe there. I will say this: it is fun to get to go watch uh, the team play, and I try to you know limit my you know restroom visits to you know before the game when nobody's there. <laughs> I basically just sit in my seat the whole time because I'm not really uh, looking to go out and mingle and and get snacks and all of that. So yeah I certainly do miss seeing uh seeing the action live, but I gotta watch on t v again and you know that's a different perspective, so we get uh we get kind of different looks at it uh it was interesting to see the uh the conversation I'm sure you picked up on that about the uh the video <laughs> i don't want to say quality because that's really not what I'm going for, but lack uh, of quality well. It's not a like it's not a product thing per se. It's for those that watched on uh, the Denver series on NCHC TV. Every time there was a scrum after the whistle or something that happened, like the minute the whistle blew, they went to showing whatever was on uh, the jumbotron with this crazy loud, uh, you know commercial for some place that was poor audio quality that we kept having to turn the volume down on our TV because it's just way too loud. Um, but then you'd have the broadcasters talking, uh, Leahy and, and uh, Barnes were talking, so you could hear them talk about this scuffle behind the net or you know these two players... You know, chirping at each other and stuff and I'm just like but I want to see it <laughs> like I want to see the scrum so then the Friday game versus North Dakota was on CBS Sports and of course they don't cut away right so we got to see all of that so there were plenty of people on Twitter that were uh, pointing out the fact that there was a difference between the two and that um they preferred the, you know, see stuff after. And so it was nice that Saturday night they had kind of made some changes. Uh, Omaha had stuck with the broadcast a little bit more, which was uh, a pleasant change, I think, for a lot of fans. Yeah, that's good because it seems like what they've been showing. And I, again, I don't, like I said, I because I'm at the home games, I don't 
typically watch them. I usually just watch the highlights. Um, it seems like what they're showing is what we see on the uh, Jumbotron, on the replay board at Baxter Arena. That's what they're feeding up to you guys at home. And so, yeah, that's that's that wouldn't be as good of an experience because obviously we don't really get to see replays all that often. Um, and we you know, a lot of times they'll cut away if there's a little scrum behind the net or something after a particular play. So that's that's a little bit disappointing because that takes away from the flavor of the game. And it probably takes Jason completely out of the game. And I'm just going to mention this because I know that there are a lot of dog lovers out there. Jason has a new puppy. And he's going to tell us here on the podcast that they got it for their their two lovely daughters. But I can tell based on the tweets and the pictures and the text that Jason is all about this dog. So we may have lost Jason for the rest of the season because he's got a cute puppy and he wants to enjoy the puppy, which is an Australian. Australian Shepherd. Yes. And it kind of looks like a, a Bernese um Mountain dog. dog. Yeah. That's what I thought. So it's it's in its cute little fluffy face. So I know Jason's having a good time. So that's affecting that's affecting it. The game's affecting it. I, I want to make a note though on how you mentioned how the the ads were kind of loud on your end watching it on TV. I want to make this about Baxter Arena. I, I'm just going to tell you this: they crank the music so damn loud between plays. It is impossible. For Bridget and I to talk to each other when we're wearing masks, they have got to crank it down. I'm sitting there yelling in a mask, trying to hear every once in a while, like like um, my buddy Krutov, who drives the Maboni, he's come up. He's talking to me. I, I make out maybe, maybe 40 percent of what he's saying to me. And I, you know, I like Greg. He's a good friend. So I can kind of make out what he's telling me about. But it's like that that might be affecting the whole mask thing in a way although i think some of these people just don't want to wear them but when you're trying to talk to somebody you don't it's just with the the music does not need to be that loud when you have 1500 people in an 8000 seat arena i uh have a friend that works in media for one of the nhl clubs and he had said that they were there were some growing pains with the nhl coming back because uh, their arena is a, a zero capacity with their city. They're not allowed right. to fans at all. And he said that the, the complaints came from the media people that they couldn't think, they couldn't hear, like, why were they blasting this stuff? Well, they weren't actually blasting it. Like, it's just, it's a set volume thing, but without fans in the stands, you just, it sounds so much louder. So... They've had to go in and figure out how to kind of turn the volume down. And I'm guessing yeah. UNO needs to do the same because they definitely need to do that. Because, man, it's like I'll just be talking to Bridget and it'll be just like I have to, like, get really close to her. I'd say it's 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 kind of annoying. I just want to be able to have a conversation. <laughs> One of the advantages of not having a lot of fans is we can just sit there and kind of visit about things. You can hear while the play is going on. You can hear the players and the coaches barking down on the ice. It's pretty cool. But man, in between plays, I, I just just if they can just crank it down a bit for the 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 last three games we're gonna have at Baxter, that would be fantastic. So that was that was my one thought on that. So lots of interesting thoughts. So to get to the actual game part of this. The actual games. Friday night I thought was an incomplete effort by our Maverick. The first two periods, I thought, you know what? We've got a chance here. And yeah, yeah, UNO the third was, period, we were outclassed. Yeah, UNO was up to 2-1 uh, uh, early in the second early period. Early in the second, yeah. Yeah, so it looked pretty good. And you're thinking, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling like this is going to go well for UNO. And then they just... Yeah, you had a good power play goal in the first by yeah. uh, Chase Primo. And then uh, Sunberg, yep. you know, continues to have a hot hand. You know, he played really well in the pod. He's you've been productive since then, and he gets that goal a couple minutes into the second period. Yep, Nolan Krenzen gets the assist. He's been a, a really pleasant surprise this season too. We haven't talked about yeah. him a lot. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, I'm feeling pretty good. I know that two two one isn't likely to hold at that point in the game. 
But I'm feeling like UNO is uh, going toe-to-toe with them. And then it just, I, I don't know what happened, but they just kind of fell apart after that. And they gave up five unanswered goals the rest of the way. The penalties this weekend in both games, you know, really killed us. Um, you know, we have we have a crazy good penalty kill right now, but we're relying on it way too heavily. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was it was we spent a lot of time in the box. There were just a lot of penalties in general called on Friday. There were also a lot of a lot of things that I saw that looked like interference, looked like tripping that didn't get called on Friday night. Total mess. Total mess for UNO, and they've got to they've got to be careful about that. And if you look at UNO in particular in the second and third periods, they spent a lot of time in the box. Yeah, 36 minutes on Friday night out of a 60-minute game. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of penalty time. Um, Ten penalties. And a lot. Of, yeah. Uh, that's just. That's rough. Yeah, it really is, and and um, it's never going to be easy when you're playing North Dakota for sure, and uh, a team with that kind of firepower and that kind of talent, that kind of veteran experience, you've got to be careful about giving them the man advantage for sure. I will say, though, I will say, though, that if you look at it, I mean, UNO had a streak going into that game of 40-some-odd, you know, penalties killed. Our, uh, our PK unit... Uh, has done really well this season, so it was kind of fun to enjoy that streak. And ultimately, we didn't give up a power play goal on Friday night, which we is... Didn't on Friday, but the streak ended on Saturday. It ended at 50, which is a shame, because amazing, yeah. when you look at the two games, you're thinking Friday should have been the game that they gave up a, a power play right. goal, but they didn't do it. So Saturday was really the one going... That, ultimately, we ended up losing... Um, six two on on friday which was yeah a pretty inauspicious start to the series for sure it's kind of a crazy last two uno pulls their goaltender trying to get back in it down four two you know you got a chance two minutes left you know with the with the talent that we have you think well maybe we can do this and uh empty net goes in so it's five two and then the face off after that empty net goal uh, Seville's oh, back in net, and I know. Phil comes in and just snipes it over his shoulder, and it's like, well, we're not pulling him again then. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was honestly, it was within reach up until though that that last little flurry there, and it was, uh, yeah, it was too bad. <laughs> I know he gets that right I, off the uh, right off the face. Yeah, up. I know. I think the the fourth goal, um, mismatch scoring early in the third. That's kind of what. Yep. You knew that it was going to be an uphill sled. You knew that North Dakota was not the, not the team that's going to just give up a, a three-goal lead on a regular basis or anything. So it was going to take a Herculean effort to to make that happen. I mean, I certainly think it was possible. It was just it's kind of one of those like you knew you were looking at at the bottom of a very steep hill to climb. So oh, absolutely, the now- empty net, and you knew it was done really after the empty net. But it's a shame to let in that that one more for Seville oh, after I know. Know, a really good game from him. Now, speaking of Seville, you and I have been really impressed with him during the second half of this season, and we both figured he would start both games uh, against North Dakota. Did you think after that loss that they might mix it up, as you know coaches are, are want to do, and put in Austin Roden to kind of change the dynamic on Saturday night? I would not have been surprised if he did that, but I not did not expect it. Yeah. Cuz I mean it's one thing to to pull him when the game before you know he made bad reads or he had trouble seeing something and say, you know, maybe this other guy's got the got the beat on it. Um I know some people have said that you can put a goal, you know, their strategy at least is to to put a goalie into um, change kind of where the teams play. Some goalies just are, are better coming off the post and out. Um, others are better, you know, straight away. And so if you've got a team that's, you know, in a game plan that's taking a lot of perimeter shots, then maybe you do switch your goaltender to the one who's 
you know, better at that. There's some serious gamemanship that comes into that, but I just, I don't see it with ours. Like, Roden's pretty solid, Seville's pretty solid. I don't see them playing drastically different styles or having, like, um, you know, a, um, a talent of Roden isn't really a, a fault of Seville where, you know, you're really going to, I don't think you're really going to accomplish something like that. I think it's just a, you know, what's the message you're wanting to send? And I still think they send the message that Seville's number one. Yeah, for sure. And I really can't fault them. I mean, those goals and stuff, like, really none of them were were really his fault. I mean, they're always saves that you wish he'd make, but um, I didn't I didn't see anything that I would have said was just, you know, a terrible read for him. I think he, uh, he got a little lost in his positioning on Caulfield's goal at the very, very end. But at that point in time, the game's put that away was, anyway, That was so. at a point, you know, you're emotionally and mentally, you're just kind of out of the game at that point. You know you're not going to win. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. So, going into Saturday night, we have hopes of salvaging the split in the series. We lick our wounds and... Uh, pretty exciting first period on Saturday. Yeah, it was a very exciting first period. <laughs> all told, all told, five goals scored by the two teams yeah. in the first period. Well, you know, and only one in the first half of the first period. Four of those goals come after the 12-minute mark. Yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? At first, you know, the first few minutes, I thought, maybe this is going to be one of these close, you know, tight, like, 1-0, 2-1 type of games. But that ultimately was not the case. It, uh... It's uh, the last half of that first period, like you mentioned. It was just kind of gangbusters there. We end up getting two power play goals in the first period. Yeah, and we jump out to the two-goal lead, which that's the point that I thought, okay, now the, the guys are rolling. This is going to, you know, this is going to be good. And then we got into some of that power play trouble, and I remember thinking, like, I need to text John and say, like, we're, we can't win this if if right. we don't stay out of the box and i think bridget beat me to it but um <laughs> we were it was you definitely got the feeling i just got the feeling like this is this is at the streaks ending we can't this is just too good of a team um <laughs> to risk it and of course then in the first period shane pinto gets a power play goal for north dakota and ends omaha's streak uh, it was um, it was so disappointing because we had we had uh had a good PK earlier in the period. I know it was, it was very, it was disappointing because you consider like we talked about all of the power play opportunities for North Dakota on Friday night, including a, a five on three opportunity, which you would have thought that would have been. And then it just, we, we give it up. So I guess, the, I guess it had to come to an end, but it was, it's that I, I got to tell you, that has been, that's been one of the keys to success for UNO this season has been their play on special teams. So I was, yeah, I was very, very excited about that. So I, 50 was a good, nice round number for it to end yeah. on. If it was going to end, it would be on One that. of my friends and I were arguing over, well, not really arguing, but I mean, he made the comment to me. He's like, God, I can't believe, you know, the streak ended, that North Dakota was the team that ended the streak. And I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know if I, like, part of me goes, okay, North Dakota, you know, rivals we play them so many times if you were going to put money on a team ending our streak that's the team i would have put money on ending our streak yeah they're a good team they've got a ton of assets offensively and defensively and you know a solid power play so um, you just kind of knew that that they got a shot at it and i'm like i kind of would rather have yeah, you know, a, a team with a deep roster like that. If I'm going to lose like a playoff that. game type of thing, I'd rather lose to the team that wins the Stanley Cup than to lose the team that gets knocked out in the next round, you know, getting swept by the team that gets swept after that and, you know, be like this. You know, Absolutely. Like if College or Miami or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking if, if like, Miami, oh, had, if Miami had done it and be like, and some guy who gets his, like, first goal of his career or something for Miami. That's That would be worse right. to be like, oh. But this, you're like, a, a team with that kind of firepower and that kind of depth, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. But it makes sense against In his North first Dakota. collegiate game, he gets his first collegiate goal, <laughs> and we win like 
six to one, and the only goal they score is this power play goal. Yeah, and they threw him in at the exactly. end of the game. Exactly. That 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 would be. Yeah. I'm with you. That would be that would be a big downer. But against this, I, I think this, I would have had a harder time with that one. So. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So. So yeah, I know. So yeah, two goal lead. Then we let North Dakota come back. North Dakota gets that power play goal to break the streak, and then uh, not too long, a couple minutes after that, Jasper Weatherby gets the equalizer. Yeah, yeah, which which was too Um, bad. Were you thinking we were going into the locker room tied at two at that point? We got what like two and a half minutes left. (laughs) I was I was a little worried. I'm always really really worried about uh, giving up giving up a goal in the last two minutes of a period, which just it kills your momentum going into the going into the second period when that happens. So I was actually a little bit worried about going down, going down, uh, uh, three to two, but Johnny Tyconic, the North Dakota transfer ends up putting us up on a power play three to two at that point with scant, with scant time left in that first period. So that was, it was, that was a, that was key. That was big, to get that goal, I think it's a much different dynamic going into the second if it's if it's tied uh, two to two. And then at the twenty minute mark, so I mean, it must have happened before the the horn sounds, and they just because then it's going to get marked at when the the clock stops. But Grant mismatch takes a goaltender interference penalty, and that was one that I didn't see. I think they cut away too quickly is why we didn't see a replay of it. And it was kind of somewhat behind the play or something. Cause I don't remember that goaltender interference call at the end of the first. Do you? Yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I was looking at Twitter. I wasn't paying attention, but there was kind of a little kerfuffle that happened um, that involved, I think Jimmy Glenn and it might've been mismatch. And I think it might have been in, in response to that, if I recall correctly. Mm. So we wondered what uh, we wondered what Jimmy Glenn was upset about at that point. We weren't sure, and, and that apparently was it. So he had a he had an edge that night. I thought just something under his skin, but yep, that fire was kind of nice. So yeah, the it really period was. was you know the announcers had said I don't remember if it was Leahy or not, but. One of them had said, you know, how the, the second period was kind of one of those classic old school hockey, lots of tightness, um, not a lot of great opportunities. Each team gets a power play opportunity. Uh, you know, neither team can come through. There's no scoring. It's just kind of that almost like the teams had figured them each other out. And you kind of I was kind of starting to think like this is going to be the third too. like this is the way this game's going to go. It's going to be, you know, a fluky goal at the end or something that either um, gets tied or North Dakota pulls their goaltender and we get a two-goal lead. And at that point in time, I was thinking, you know, we might win this four to two that way. But uh, third period comes in, and Taylor Ward with a really nice pickup. Yeah, it was that was a that was a, up too. Yeah, that was a terrific goal that he had. Uh, you know, gets the assist from uh, Weiss and Primo, and that was a beautiful, like I said, a great goal against his father's former alma mater in North Dakota. Great time for him to get that goal, and four to two at that point, you're feeling a lot better. Obviously, there's a lot of time left in the period, but that two goal lead, which I know some have referred to as the most dangerous lead <laughs> in college hockey, I'll take the two goal lead over the one goal lead, especially as we talked about against a team with the firepower and the depth of a North Dakota. I'm feeling good at that point. Um, you know, anything can happen, but I'm hopeful. Hopeful. I was, I was very hopeful at that point in time. A few minutes later, that went pretty far away. Cause <laughs> it North did, Dakota didn't really it? Yep. Taking it to us and they get a goal and I'm thinking, Oh no, <laughs> here we go. Don't Are they going to slip away? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like in professional cycling when you have one of the, one of the cyclists, will kind of break ahead of the pack and then slowly as as the as the as the course starts to dwindle and they get close to the the finish line they start to get kind of reeled in and that's kind of what I was worried was going to happen to UNO that they were going to get reeled reeled in in the last half of the third period and that North Dakota was going to come back and tie the game and uh thankfully thankfully that didn't happen 
Thankfully, whether he takes another goaltender interference call. And pretty quick into that one, Conley from Scanlon yep. and Primo. Great Puts goal by yeah, the captain. Yep. Yeah. And so then you're looking at, you know, less than five minutes left in the game and we've got a two goal lead. Then I'm really starting to feel like, all right, yep. now we've got that insurance insurance where if you make a mental mistake in those last five minutes, you don't, you know, lose the, lose the win at that point in time. But, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, North Dakota, North Dakota gets a goal with, you know, 24 seconds left in the, in the game. Yeah. They pulled and their I, goalie pretty they, early. Pretty but. early, yeah. It, it felt like like maybe at about the three-minute mark did they pull their goaltender. It was like two or three yeah, minutes. Um, of, like two and a quarter, two and a half, somewhere in there. That's what I was going to say. It was, it so. was, it, there was quite a bit of time. And uh, and if they just got, if they gotten that fourth goal a little bit earlier, who knows what might have happened. They just ultimately ran out of time there in the third. And UNO gets a nice, a nice five to four victory. There were some, some dead, just gutsy plays by UNO um, with that goaltender pulled because uh, it started on the power play. Uh, Matt Miller was in the box when they first pulled their goaltender, and so you're basically a two-man advantage there in the in the defensive zone. And man, UNO laying down to block some shots was yep. incredibly impressive. Yep, some terrific, terrific saves by Isaiah Seville. Really, I, I think throughout that second period and that third period, and and uh, the defensive play in front of him was good. And you've got to commend the team. Obviously, five five to four looks a lot closer <laughs> than it kind of felt there. But right, yeah, totally. But a couple of bounces here or there, and that game might have gone the other way. So it was good to good to salvage the split out of that. Uh, North Dakota has not not uh, lost a lot of games in their last 11 or 12 games so they have been pretty solid this season that's for sure so we earn the split yes we stay in contention for the top spot and we're still at this point in time in the um, top four in the conference so if playoffs started and of course if it wasn't COVID or something i mean home ice first round we would have well yeah i you know that's a good question now that you bring that up i don't know i'm I'm assuming they're planning to do uh the playoffs conference playoffs at campus sites so so there may be another two possibly three games after the regular season ends that i've got to contend with jason There there may there may be more chin diapers in my future than I realize uh, at this point. The rumors I am hearing are that you don't have to worry that it's going to be a pod situation. Oh, you play you, out the whole tournament. That the NCHC would do that. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I don't, I can see that. I've heard that with the NCAA tournament that they might have the regionals and the frozen four all in one location and that all of the teams would come. And then one weekend, uh, they would play the regional games, and then the following weekend they would play the Frozen Four. I'll be interested to see if the conference wants to go to that expense or not. I do think it's possible that the Frozen Face-Off games will be all in one location somewhere with no fans. But I do wonder if those first-round games will still be on campus sites. My prediction is they'll still do campus sites for those games. I think a lot of that depends on what community spread is because what we're learning, you know, we've talked about this before, what we're learning is that it is near impossible to prevent spread and the postponement or rescheduling of games. And when you're dealing with it, like I can do that in you know, a season that's lasting three months, right? I can say, oh, okay, so Cairo College has COVID this week, so... You know, instead of UNO going to play Kara College or Kara College playing UNO, UNO is going to go to play Denver. And instead of Denver coming to UNO, we're going to just, you know, basically switch a UNO and a Kara College game. Um, you know, I think they have that capability when you have that kind of time. But when you get into that tournament kind of format, it becomes if one team gets sick, you don't have the time 
to wait out quarantine or right now spread I, or anything like that. I, and so. I I, under, I understand what you're saying, but the fact of the matter is, there's you know the weekend before the NCHC playoffs, people are playing at campus sites. So the fact of the matter is, if something happens, it would end up delaying this thing anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you can't. I mean, they're they're not going to have. It's not like we're going to have like a two week gap between conference playoffs, and uh, you know, and that that final regular season weekend. And so the thing about it is, e- even if they all go to one location, a team could still test positive, and that's going to throw the thing off anyway. And then you just got teams sitting there. So I don't know what they do. I I think they'll probably still do. Um, campus sites i think part of it depends on what the ncaa is planning to do which we don't really know at this point um you know it's it's all affected by you know teams back east i mean there are some teams like for example boston university that hasn't even played uh you know or isn't even close to playing the minimum number of games that they need uh, in in. order to qualify so That'll be it'll be really, really interesting to see if the conference ends up doing that. And it's possible they could do that. You have the one weekend of the first round and then the second weekend are is the what would what would normally be the NCHD frozen faceoff and they do that all in one location, whether it's Omaha or somewhere else. And it's it's possible that they could do it they could do it that way. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they'll still do campus sites and it will be interesting. It, I think the, the more interesting thing is that because we keep having games delayed is how many of these teams still have yet to, to have COVID affect their team. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we haven't heard anything. And else at what point things. do you have to just cancel? Like they've yeah. got to be getting close to the point where you might just have to start canceling some series and figuring something out because sure. Yeah, it's you can't it's, just keep rescheduling. <laughs> Otherwise, we're gonna have like, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday hockey games. Yeah, it's 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 a real challenge, and obviously, a lot of the issues that we that we saw, you know, right around the first of the year, because obviously, this North Dakota series that we've been talking about was supposed to have been played on uh, December thirty first and January first, but it was postponed because of COVID. Obviously, a lot of them, it was people getting together around the holidays that that caused the spread uh, for these uh, players to happen. And so, you know, obviously as the weeks have progressed since then, we've seen numbers go down. And interestingly enough, Nebraska, as of as of yesterday, is actually at 100% uh, capacity for various venues and restaurants and whatnot, which seems crazy, but uh, but here we are. So it'll be interesting to see what happens the next month as it regards that. So your pick for player of the weekend then? Player of the weekend. This is a it's kind of a tough one. There are a lot of good good guys that we could go with. Let me look here. I'll I'll do I'll go first this time. Okay. Okay. And see if that narrows your list any. Okay. Well, it will, narrow, it will narrow it by one, unless you pick multiple players, Jason. I've been known to do that, haven't yes, I? Yes, yes, you have. Uh, but I'll just pick one, just to okay. help you out. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick Chase Primo. Oh, yeah. I think a good that, pick. Yeah, to get those those opening goals both nights. Both and, nights. Oh, man. his He had a couple prime opportunities. Uh beyond that so this well could have been more from him on the weekend but um, i i really liked you know his play and and have for i think for a while we've all we've all you know appreciated what he brings to this team Um, but it was nice to see it contribute on the score sheets and and just i he's the guy i wanted to kind of give a shout out because i really appreciated his work and stuff yeah yeah, he's been uh, he's been a terrific talent for UNO this season, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Getting that first goal in both of those games, really important for UNO, and uh, and uh, great job by Chase Primo. Absolutely. Well, I had three others on my list. I had narrowed it we down to four. So now I want to know others. if one of your if I mean, yours you could is go on with, my list. You could go with Taylor Ward. You could go with Kevin Conley. 
but I'm going to do the unusual pick this time since Jason does. I'm going to go with a defenseman, and the defenseman I'm going to go with is Brandon Scanlon. Uh, just a, a, a great presence out there on the ice. I like to see his work on the power play unit. Ultimately, you know, you're not going to you're not going to notice it with any any, you know, flashy numbers or anything like that. Although he did have two assists on goals on Friday night. And I uh, I don't know. I just uh, or excuse me, Saturday night uh, he had the two assists and I'm I'm going to go with Scanny on the game. He did have a couple of penalties on Saturday night I wasn't thrilled about, but ultimately he's been one of my favorite players, one of my consistent players, and I think he's a key part of that defensive unit that's had so much success this season. And you look at an addition like Johnny Taconic on the blue line with him, and, and uh, I, I, was, I, I really enjoyed watching some of his highlight clips when he was with uh, the Brooks Bandits in the Alberta Junior League before he came to UNO, and, and so he is going to be my player of the weekend. Very nice. He was not on my list, so you definitely went so, off board. I totally, yeah. Who who else was? I mean, obviously Tyler Weiss could have been on your list. Taylor Ward for sure. Yeah, uh, Weiss was on my list. I just really like what he's become on the power play. That kind of setup artist is, is what we envisioned. I don't know. I shouldn't say we. What I envisioned him being when he was coming to UNO from what I had seen, like that's the kind of, I expected him to really be, um, you know, hopefully later on, at least you know, junior, senior year, possibly the quarterback on the power play where he really just sees the ice and has the creativity um, to make some of those plays. And I mean, I think he had, he ended up with like three assists on, uh, on Saturday. So, yep. And then, uh, yeah, Taylor Ward was on there. I thought about giving a shout at Kirby Proctor with the assist on Chase Primo's goal. You know, too. I'll, I'll tell you what, Kirby Pop Proctor had a really he had a he had a really good game Saturday night. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't always talk about those defensemen. Like we said, it's it's always easy to focus on a on a forward or a goaltender, somebody who who you really notice during the game. But obviously, UNO's defensive play has been the key to their success this season and. And they've uh, they've brought in some really good uh, blue liners on this team, and Kirby Proctor certainly is is one of the real talents that we have on on the on the team this season. So with the win came something interesting. There was uh, some chatter on Twitter about this, about the fact that maybe maybe not UNO has beaten every team in the NCHC, depending on how you look at it. Well, I'll tell you how I look at it since we get dinged on this stuff all the time. I'm going to be a, a stickler for, you know, official, official stuff. And yes, we've almost gotten a win against every team in the conference this season, except for Minnesota Duluth, who we, in our first game of the season in the pod back on December 1st, we lost 5-3. to three, And then we played them again on December 16th. And the game went down in the NCAA record books as a two-to-two tie. Now we did beat them in a in a shootout, but that only counts for the extra point in the conference. So I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be just strict about it and say no, we didn't officially get. Now we have a chance against Duluth in the postseason potentially. Possibly. But possibly. You never know if we'll meet up with them again or, or not. But but yes. Yeah, so. So I'm going to say not not quite. Not quite on I that. I mean, as it sits now with the standings the way they are, obviously games in hand have, you know, come into play. Like we've got two games in hand on North Dakota. We have one on both Duluth and St. Cloud. Those three yep. teams are ahead of us. So we could in theory catch Duluth and St. Cloud. Yep. And and force kind of looking into a tiebreaker. Yeah, it, uh, we can't catch North Dakota just with games in hand. So we've got more games against them. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to come out on top on more of those. We can't just keep splitting if we want. Yeah, to we have the top spot, but we have four more games left against North Dakota so, this season. 
as it sits now, our first round opponent would be our next opponent and one of our nemesis opponents in Denver. Yeah, and originally we weren't supposed to be playing uh, Denver on February 5th and 6th. That was supposed to be a series against Colorado College, but they have another COVID scare. Round so, two. so they rearranged it. So rather than playing at Denver on the 12th and 13th, we're playing Denver at Denver on the 5th and the 6th. And that's a that's a pretty uh pretty kind of close turnaround to be playing them again. I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't know what to think about this. I that was a series that I really I I did indeed. I did just pick the sweep over Denver a couple weeks ago to to be funny or anything. I really did think that they could sweep Denver this season because Denver is not, is not what they were a few seasons ago. And so I just don't know what to think because it's at Denver. I think I'm going to go with a split. Well, as is the, as we have done, If you're going to pit a, pick a split, are we winning Friday or are we winning Saturday? Um, I'm going to say that we're winning Friday. Okay. Yep. Um, or no, I am going. Nope. Let me know. You want to switch um, it? Yeah, I'm going to switch it. No, I'm not. I'm going to say we're going to win Friday. Yep. I don't know. They haven't played for a while. I have no idea. When we ask next Sunday. Yeah, we're not going to. Who picked what? What? (laughs) Um, I am actually going to then play the bandwagon fan and say that uh, UNO sweeps Denver at Denver. Well, that would be fantastic if we did sweep Denver at Denver. That would be big for the team for sure. Here's. And here's why I'm thinking. Like, these are the factors that go into it. I think, number one, UNO is coming off of a win against Denver, so we've got that monkey off our back that we can't beat Denver. We now know we can beat them, and we know what it takes to beat them. We just played a hard series against North Dakota, so you know we're filed and ready and sharp, I think. So we're not going in there with a defeatist attitude. And Denver's had the week off. Their last game was against us. So I have a feeling that the change in schedule with Denver is going to affect them more than the change in schedule will affect Omaha. Yeah, and you very well could be could be right on that. I, I'm going to be interested to see, because when you look at these games in the second half, other than that series out at Colorado College, which those games were actually closer than I thought that they would be, you know, UNO has had splits in, in both of the other series against Denver and North Dakota. And I don't know. I'm I'm waiting to see them. I'm waiting to see them kind of dominate one of these top-tier teams in the conference and get the sweep. And we haven't quite seen that yet, so uh, it would be it would be great if that happened. But that's why I'm going with the split this week because we haven't quite seen it yet out of the team in the second half. And I really thought we could sweep North Dakota at home, or excuse me, um, Denver at home. And I honestly thought we had a chance against North Dakota too. Um, the guys have to be feeling like we've got a shot against every team in this conference. Yeah, there's no question about it. It comes down to execution. Coach talks about that in some of the the press stuff that I've seen about it's not, our losses are not talent problems. They're they're not system problems. They're attitude, execution. At at certain points in the game, a lot of times too, it's it's not even a whole game thing for him. It's just, yeah. You get into this like mental lapse. You start reaching and clutching, and you're taking penalties left and right, and you know that that didn't help, that didn't hurt us earlier in the season. I think it's going to hurt us now, and so hopefully they clean that up some. But we'll see. It will be 
it will be fun to watch Omaha heading to Denver to play DU to see if, if they can find a way. Um, but 8 o'clock starts, I think, both nights right now here in Omaha. Yeah, and it looks like the Saturday game is on CBS Sports Network, which I'm thrilled by. No, I'm not thrilled by that because... <laughs> CBS Sports is not my my favorite. I know as you you complimented their coverage and obviously they've got a professional broadcast crew and whatnot um, putting together those games, but it's just it's a that's a that's a tough one for fans to have to deal with, and I I still find it just incredibly irritating that we pay for NCHC TV, but some of the games are not included because of the CBS Sports thing, and it's like can you just find a way, find a way to make those games available to NCHC TV subscribers because the only way to get those CBS sports games, if you don't have it in a cable package, which is not part of the standard cable package that most people get here in Omaha, you know, you have to subscribe to one of the kind of online streaming bundles, which yes, you do get free trials, but it's just kind of a pain to have to sign up for that and then unsubscribe to see, you know, one game, maybe two games in a season. So, um, and if you're out outside of your seven day trial, you got to pay, you know, what, 70 some bucks for some of these things. So, yeah. So we'll see in a week where we stand. If they even happen, there's always that, you know, COVID cancellation option out there. A lot, a lot can happen in six days for sure. You just don't, as we've learned this season, you just don't know. So until next time, be sure to stay tuned to MavPuck on Facebook and Twitter, where if there are any changes to the schedule, I am sure that we will we will talk at length about that. And until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.